welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Kale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 23rd chapter. Luke wrote, When they came to the place that is called the Skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Um, Again, it is Christ the King Sunday, and I bid you welcome. On the church calendar, Christ the King Sunday marks the end of a liturgical year, but more importantly, serves to remind us the church that it ever worships the God who so loved the world, in John's words, that no sacrifice on the Father's part was deemed too great in order to redeem that world and to bring it back from the self-inflicted dark stain of sin. Not only we, but the world itself, ta-panta, all things. Did you notice how often that phrase was repeated in the letter to the Colossians? All things, all things, all things. Tapanta in Greek. At one and the same time, it is interesting and curious to me that Christianity can celebrate something so enormous. Tapanta, all things. That means there is nothing you can imagine that is not brought under God's domain, so big and yet so very personal at the same time, because the story includes you and me, Christ the King Sunday. 
Now then, next week on the first Sunday of Advent, on to Advent, and with next Sunday's opening of a new church year, the first Sunday in Advent will be observed and the banner hung with that key word, watch, upon it. More on that then. But the color will be blue, and the church begin reading from major portions of Matthew's Gospel. We've read from Luke this past year, and it was Luke who gave the church not only the Christmas story, but parables such as the prodigal son and the lost sheep, known in no other gospel than Luke's, as well as other sacred words owing to Luke's diligent investigations. Paul called Luke his beloved physician. This coming year, we will turn to Matthew and his deep Jewish Hebrew heritage, who will guide the church through Jesus' three-year ministry, providing perspective on how it was Jesus fulfilled the prophecies. And so it can be said, if Luke gave the church Christmas shepherds, in the coming weeks, Matthew will give it epiphany wise men. As this week opens, all eyes, of course, will be upon the Thanksgiving holiday. Once rooted in pilgrim thankfulness for immigrating to this place of religious freedom, truth is Thanksgiving has largely become a feast of no particular significance beyond the meal itself, obligatory turkey, and seasonal pumpkin pie, followed by football and some couch dozing, Thanksgiving has become more of a Black Friday Eve than any call to religious mindfulness. Thanksgiving increasingly manifests itself as the Christmas precursor. Then a once solemn day in recognition of life's frailty and thankfulness for God's life-sustaining grace. Even Christmas, I suggest, labors to remain spiritually relevant in an increasingly secular culture, culture incandescently hostile to all things identifiably Christian. The public square that once held nativity scenes at Christmas is now a parade ground for strident political and social demands. And so, (laughs) and so we gather today. And let's just admit it. Let's just admit it. We are a particular, peculiar kind of people. Christians have always been a little bit outside the herd. We who gather to worship who have come to pray are an increasingly suspect minority. We who seek to be spiritual more than cynical, hopeful than despairing in the face of all manner of encroaching darkness, well, we're just a little bit different. Because I ask you, who but God's own prays that Jesus will remember them as they live life in this kingdom while at the same time in constant watch 
and preparation for God's coming kingdom. Odd business that is. And yet we do it, we watch. And Advent helps remind us of that. And so, in many ways, Christians find themselves rather like the thief on the cross. Did that lesson strike you as odd for a Christ the King Sunday gospel reading? Not very kingly, was it? But I submit to you that in many ways, Christians find themselves like that thief on the cross of today's lesson. A man guilty and convicted, but who, with his dying breath, invested everything, invested eternal hope in the person of Jesus Christ. Again, as we borrow from that second reading from Colossians, Paul wrote of the Father, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us, God is the actor here, not us, transferred us from into his, the kingdom of his beloved son, as he wrote, reconciling to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood, the sacrifice of his, Jesus' cross. By that cross, by that cross, the Father brought all things, all people in from an isolating darkness. The Father reconcile us to himself with the cross of Jesus Christ being the means whereby salvation was accomplished. We live in days of which the Hebrew prophet Jeremiah foretold, announcing the days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, He shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called, Jeremiah declared. The Lord is our righteousness. The Lord is our righteousness. The righteous branch is Jesus. Jesus is our righteousness. Believing those words, there can be but one response. That response to God's activity is and ought be thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. In Greek, Euchariste. Sound familiar? Euchariste. Thanksgiving. So convinced of this was the early church that the word Eucharist, okay, the word Eucharist euphemistically came to mean the holy meal of God's people, the holy communion of the Mass. And so it is down through generations now for two millennia. Every week when is cried out, let us give thanks to the Lord our God, the church answers in reply, it is right to give him thanks and praise. Okay. Pardon my singing. So convinced was the early church that Jesus was 
the very center, the core of its righteousness. One analogy they chose compared such God-given Christ-centered righteousness to that of light overcoming darkness. The power of darkness being dispelled by that of pure, uncreated light, God's own light. John expressed it probably most often and certainly precisely when he wrote, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. We've now come to those days of the year during which the light of this world grows ever dimmer and the days increasingly short and cold. Our forebears understood that. They did not know why necessarily, but they knew that the cold and the darkness, the threat was very real. And such darkness struck fear in their hearts. And even in modern times, people light the lights of this world against the darkness. But I want you to think this day upon that which is even a greater darkness that threatens, a colder and more sinister kind of darkness, a deadly darkness, spiritual and existential darkness. It is against that kind of darkness that the people of God turn to another light. At Christmas, the church will declare in the words again of John's gospel that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and he the word was in the beginning with God all things came into being through him and without him not one thing came into being and what has come into being in him was life and the life was the light of all people the light Christ shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it and so I invite you come next week and help us light the first candle of the Advent wreath. That candle will call the church to watch. Being watchful helps dispel the spiritual darkness as spiritual people once again turn their faces to God in anticipation just as that thief on the cross turned his face and with his final breath called out to that bloodied but sacred head wounded next to his own, and with failing breath uttered the words, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That is why the appointed gospel reading today for this Christ the King Sunday doesn't sound very kingly at all to the uninformed, but it is why the church receives those words with solemn and peaceful mind. Christ the King Sunday opens this week of thanksgiving and pray for each of you. This week become a time, a moment for reflection and prayer as well as feasting. A time of feasting and thanksgiving to be sure 
but also an opportunity to reflect upon that which matters in the sea of that which is irrelevant. And then come next Sunday and help us light the wreath that takes both a forward look and a backward glance as the church prepares and prays. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church, Miles City, Montana, and email us at flc at midrivers.com.